0: Hello, true crime friends. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. How is everybody doing out there? I hope you are all having a wonderful start to your week so far. If not, that really sucks, and I hope it gets better for you. Today's case involves one of my biggest fears, which involves climbing really steep hills and then, you know, plummeting to your death, which sadly probably happened in this case. But... Without any further ado, let's get into it. On the morning of August 7th, 1976, Bill Fitzhugh, the leader of an exhibition in Labrador, Canada, received a radio call from his co-leader, Richard Michael Gramley. Gramley, an assistant professor and a Harvard archaeological student named Anne Abraham, flew to Rama Bay the week before where they were to investigate the Rama Chert quarries. Gramley told fitzhughes that Anne had gone missing. Anne was one of four children born to Mr. and Mrs. Abraham, and quite honestly, that's really all I can find about out about Anne. Anne first became interested in archaeology when she was invited to go on a dig with her older brother Ted when she was 14. Everyone was super impressed with her willingness to work and or to help out whenever she was needed. On her most recent dig, Anne excavated a grave at Rattler's Bite, and found a few artifacts. The 1976 season was Anne's sixth, meaning that she had been on five other expeditions before this one. And she knew that it was going to be difficult based on, you know, what she knew the terrain was going to be like. There were a lot of steep slopes and they were going to have to travel this way quite regularly in order to get to these chert quarries. Now, chert is a type of stone that is used by the native communities for tool making and it's like a milky color but it's also semi-translucent so to prepare for this exhibition Anne took geology and rock climbing courses and i think that just goes to show you how dangerous getting to these quarries were and just the site in general that she was at so the season had begun at the beginning of august and Anne had actually volunteered to go to rama bay with the Exhibition's co-leader and assistant professor from Stony Brook, Richard Michael Gramley. Now, Gramley, also known as Mickey, grew up in Elmira, New York. And when he was 10 years old, his parents got divorced and violence was listed as the reason. Gramley then went on to live with his father and his grandmother during the school year. And as a child, he was described as mischievous and entrepreneurial which I think is interesting to call a child. But one of his favorite pastimes was scouting for arrowheads. He got his big break in archaeology when an archaeologist named William Ritchie responded to a letter that Gramley had sent him. And from then on, he spent his college summers working for him. Gramley then went on to Harvard after college and then became an assistant professor of geology at Stony Brook shortly after that. By all accounts, and mainly the accounts that came from Anne's journal, it seemed like there was like a mutual respect between them. You know, it seemed like they got along. You know, the first few days they hiked around to, you know, even find this quarry, and you know, a couple things that she noted, like, because even though they got along okay, she said that it annoyed her that he would often, you know, go up ahead without her. And then oftentimes, like, she couldn't find him. Um, And that also that he talked too much, like, at night when they would lay in their tents and whatnot. That was something <laughs> that bothered her, apparently. Apparently, he would talk too much about, like, his other exhibitions that he's been on or his other... um excavations that he's been on and things like that so but yeah other than that they pretty much got along you know they did find the quarry thanks to Anne's keen eye so they made it to this spot that they thought i mean as far as they knew from a map that this was where the chert quarry was and it was Anne who actually spotted the chert and therefore you know confirming that they had found the site that they were looking for the next night, Anne described the two days of being in this quarry and, you know, investigating and things like that. Like, just walking around and looking at the area saying that, you know, time went unrecognized. Like, you know, she was just so focused on her work and what she was doing that, you know, nothing else really mattered. Hey, True Crime Friends. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, cricut, cut and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Send her a DM and order today. During the course of traveling this crazy, dangerous terrain, Anne notes in her journal that, you know, often she's going slower than Gramley because she doesn't trust the ground beneath her. You know, and she also just mentions feeling like generally uneasy, but also like, you know, making sure that she's taking her time and being smart about how she's climbing, where she's climbing and things like that, you know, to avoid a fall thursday because they lost a day to the rain and tried to find a shortcut to the quarry she tried four different routes to no avail and because of the strong winds that were going on that day she had to stop earlier than she would have liked couldn't go up as high as she had wanted or thought she would be able to so she goes back and gramley had shot in a goose earlier that day for them to have lunch, so she helps him roast that. That night, they chat a lot, and Anne actually admits that she told him and talked to him <laughs> way more than she should have. But again, nothing, nothing crazy. There's nothing weird mentioned or anything like that. The next day, Mike actually sets up the radio, and they decide they're going to go out and try to find out another shortcut so they waited until around 11 a.m because they needed to wait for low tide because the shortcut that they were hoping to find was at the beach and you can't really do a lot of stuff with high tide so yeah so they both attempted but the rocks were pretty slippery but before they call it quits Grantly decides he wants to try one more way and thus he leaves in at the top of this cliff after 15 minutes he decides he's going to turn around And when he gets back, Anne is just gone. Now, he said he called out her name. No one answered and that he literally did everything he could to find Anne. But there was just no sign of her. And after talking to Fitzhugh, obviously the police are notified and the search for Anne begins. Now, Anne's brother, having been on digs, travels up to Rama Bay with a friend to join in the search And there is when he encounters Gramley for the first time. And the first time they are ever in the same room, Grammily is telling an officer, no, I'm not going with you guys back there. Which, if you're the brother of the person who went missing, that's obviously not what you want to hear. But also kind of odd. Like... (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to go back? I mean, again, if he if he really did exhaust all of his options and had searched for her like crazy the day before and was tired and injured or, you know, just overall exhausted, I'd get it, you know. But again, if someone you were on a dig site with goes missing and you're the only other person who was there... You just think you'd be more willing to help out. That's all. So Ted, his friend Michael, and Anne's boyfriend Stephen made it to the campsite where Anne and Gramley had been staying. And Ted says that he crawled into her tent and found her journal. You know, he went through it, but he had to make sure that there were no pages ripped out, which is smart because, again... The only person who knows what happened to Anne is Gramley. And if he did anything to her, then you would think, A, it would show up in her journal, either that she wrote something, but also, you know, smart to look for pages ripped out because then you know that they're hiding something. So yeah, so he looks to see if anything is ripped out because obviously if there are pages ripped out, there's a potential motive, things like that. Or there could have been something incriminating that's missing. So, you know, ultimately, nothing was missing. So Ted, his friend, and Anne's boyfriend try to retrace Anne's steps the best that they could. And Ted saw the cliff that Anne was supposedly at the top of. And as soon as he did, he started having doubts about Gramley's version of events. He was certain that there is no way his sister would have attempted to climb a cliff like that. And that if she did fall, Gramley would have been able to find her because of the sight lines you would have been able to get. Like, you would have been able to see. So, not looking too good for Gramley here, huh? He also noted something interesting. He said that the sound traveled really easily and came out pretty crisp. So, if she did fall, Granley would have heard something. So, weird. Progress on Anne's search was slowed due to weather conditions and disagreements between the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and Billy Fitzhugh, the leader of the expedition. Fitzhugh had organized a search party that consisted of rock climbers and local Inuit to help, you know, find Anne. But the RCMP wouldn't allow it, stating that aerial searches would be more effective. And of course, by the time they actually make it to Rama, too much time has passed, and there's no way that the search dogs are even able to pick up Anne's scent. So most people were extremely suspicious of Gramley, and kind of rightfully so. So even though the police didn't have really any evidence at all that You know, Anne was A, dead, but also B, that Gramley had any part in her disappearance. You know, people were still suspicious of him, and kind of rightfully so. In the 60s, he was questioned and looked at as a suspect in the murder of a classmate of his named Jane Britton. He was also given the moniker Mad Mike by his students because of his temper and ability to fly off the handle. Not good. It was also said that he kind of had some, like, stalkery behavior. A woman that he had dated previously named Mary said that after they broke up, Gramley visited her sister at her apartment on her birthday with chocolate cake. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, that's so strange. I don't know how you would even find someone's sibling like that. Because, again, it's not like he's stalking her. It's just, like, ugh. So creepy. So creepy. Mary, of course, though, told her sister to throw the cake out immediately. So because of that, we don't know if it was necessarily the least anything. It could have just been a nice gesture. But again, it seemed like he had never met the sister before. How he knew it was her birthday and how he found her apartment, no one knows. But that is weird as fuck, right? He was eventually taken off the suspect list or really seen as a suspicious person at all because he passed a lie detector test. Sadly, Anne's body was never recovered, and her disappearance and probable death was ruled accidental. Now I don't know, I'm not an expert in things, so I wouldn't be able to say this for sure, but do I think that Gramley's version of events are possible? Yeah. I mean Could she have fallen and maybe fell and hit her head on the way down? And that's why she didn't scream. So that's why he couldn't hear anything. But then where did she fall exactly? And how was he not able to find her if she fell based off of the area? Like I said, you know where she was, you know, and her brother having been there and checked it out himself. He was like, yeah, you would have seen her. So, you know. It's definitely a little suspicious. Because again, for all we know, he could have pushed her off and was angry about something. Who knows? I mean, he was known as Mad Mike. But that also doesn't mean that he had a temper enough (laughs) to kill her. And with all of Anne's journal entries, it seems like they had a decent friendship going on. So... There's no motive. There's, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, the only thing that I could think of is maybe... Again, it was an accident. But maybe Gramley was more involved. Like, maybe say he tripped or something. And she fell because of that. But I don't know. Like, why would you lie about that? You know? I don't know. But yeah, it is really sad. Because the family definitely looked at Gramley suspiciously and like I said rightfully so I mean he was the last person to see her alive and it was very convenient that she fell during that 15 minutes when he decided he wanted to look for another shortcut so yeah i don't know but again it's just very very sad i it really makes me sad to think that like these families don't get the closure they deserve, especially, obviously, in cases where a body isn't found, you know? And I don't think it has anything to do with... I mean, maybe it does. Because, I mean, even if you know the person is dead, I feel like just seeing the body or, you know, know that the body is being... Cream- like, things like that. Like, just the actual physical presence of the body, I think, does a lot for people for closure. And in these sad cases where... They're never able to find the body. You know, you feel really bad about that, you know. And It's sad that they didn't get that closure, but it is what it is, you know. Well, my dears, my dears, that is all I have for you today. I know I have a short one. But next week, I am coming at you with a two-parter case that I'm very excited to get into. So stay tuned for that. If you would like access to exclusive content, please go over to patreon.com slash room and become a patron so you can get all our awesome extras. I am going to be working on something for the summer to hopefully add to bring some more content to you guys. I'll keep you posted about that. And also don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at Academia. Until next week, my loves, I hope you all stay safe out there, stay healthy, do all the things, wash your hands, because I love you. And until next week, I will see you later.
1: We hope you enjoyed this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia episode. You can watch our video versions of our episodes on Patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Join at the price of an iced coffee or join as an Ivory Tower member and get some of our exclusive merchandise. I could not be here without an amazing team. So I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director, and I am joined with Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, who hosts True Crime in Academia. It comes out on Tuesdays. Jaren is our marketing director, and our two interns are Nicole Arguello and Kimberly Dallas. And I'm actually here with Mary. So Mary, where can they follow us on social media?
0: You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Twitter. We are at Ivory Boiler Room and then just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook and you can like our page there.
1: Wonderful. And we, Mary and I and the whole team, hope you all are healthy and happy and we can't wait to join you and you know, have you all join us in the ivory tower boiler room next week. Bye everyone. Bye.